sick right now, so I, I don't even want to go over the list for fear that I'll leave somebody out, but I encourage you to get a bulletin, and that will keep you abreast of those who are very seriously ill and maybe who are recovering from surgeries. Uh, we have some folks that are experiencing some symptoms, possibly COVID-related, so just kind of in the ravages of that right now in our state. So we want, we want everybody to be safe and just keep in prayer those folks that may be affected that way. Yes. Oh, really? The infusion or the antibodies or whatever. Okay, well, I hope, hope that's successful. Well, we're going to sing a song together, and after that we'll have a prayer, and then we'll begin our Bible study. Tonight we're going to talk about being stewards of God-given abilities, and that will be the kind of the second aspect of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. Last week we talked primarily about the spiritual aspect of the manifold grace of God. Tonight we'll talk about what God blesses us with in terms of abilities and how we bring honor, glory to God through that. Five, six, four. 564. together and then we'll begin our study. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for blessing us with this beautiful day today. Thank you, Lord, for showering us with opportunities to act. And I pray that we've done that. We've secured those things you've put in our paths and pray that we've been successful in doing exactly what you wanted us to do. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you instruct us how we're to live and while we fail we still have the desire to please you and so 
even in our mistakes, we're repentant, but we're learning from those mistakes. We just pray for your patience and your mercy on us, which is just new every morning. Lord, there's so many people who are sick under the weather right now throughout this entire state, so many people affected. And of course, in our region here, even this church family and members of, of family members of this congregation, we're, we're just touched by it and we're praying for deliverance of those who are most affected, especially those who are having to receive um, very serious medical attention. We pray, Lord, that uh, the ravages, especially of the virus, will soon subside and we'll have some normalcy again. We pray, Lord, that you'll bless us. We've made the effort to be here tonight to participate in a study of your word and to encourage one another. And I pray that we'll do just that and that we'll not uh, suffer uh, any ill as a result of having been here together. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to be good stewards, to be trustworthy and faithful. And Lord, I pray that you'll empower us in such a way that we'll have the resources, the wherewithal that's necessary to do tremendous works for you. And Lord, I also pray that if you find us faithful in those things, even the smallest things, that you'll give us more to do, that you'll continue challenging, challenging us. And of course, we, we know where our strength comes. And so we give you the glory for any good that is accomplished. Help us to really appreciate that tonight as we further examine ourselves in terms of your expectations for us and, and what you make available to us as your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I do want to talk with you about what God does for us in terms of our stewardship and especially about how he blesses us with abilities. Our text, actually we started 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 10 and 11, but in verse 11 there, there are two aspects. One he talks about those who are blessed by God to be able to speak. And he told them that they were to speak uh, as the oracles of God. And then he said, if anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. I love that phrase. You want to minister. Now, there's a, I guess I, I'm, I'm seeing two categories. I'm seeing the role that we play in the speaking, we talked some about that last week, but this is dealing with ministering, and that's, that's service. There's a wide open catalog of things that you and I can be involved in that certainly fall within the categories of serving or ministry. He says in this regard that if you do that, do it with the ability that God supplies. Okay? I'm, I'm pretty sure, and it's not, just, it's not just regarding church things. Of course, I talk a lot about church things, and I, I try to make the application to us as the church, or try to help us as best I can learn something about Jesus so we can please Him better. And so... I'm thinking generally right now about successful endeavors. This would be true, I guess, across the board, whether it's spiritual matters or not. But if you're going to be successful in just about any kind of endeavor, first thing you have to do is get started with it. Okay, you, you are not going to be successful in your endeavor if you never start it. So I'd say the first thing we really need to give attention to is getting started with a thing, whatever it is. And then, generally speaking, once you get something started, which is oftentimes the hard part, just kind of getting the thing broken loose and moving in the right direction. But once you get it started, 
You need to keep it going. That is, keep that thing rolling along. Stay motivated. Keep the wheels turning. And then finally, if you're going to be successful, if you're going to see it all the way to the end, you have to have the mindset, and I would say the absolute commitment to never give up. In other words, once I get the thing kicked off and it's rolling, if I'm going to see completion, if I want to see it go all the way to the very end, then I can't quit. I can't just begin something and see some success there and boy, this is great and then get scared. Have you ever done that before? I have. Any of you ever ride um, a skateboard? Okay, well, now skateboards look like they're nearly as big as tabletops. I don't know how that developed, but I'm pretty sure it developed because of the mistakes of my generation. <laughs> because when I was growing up, a skateboard was about like this big. And I remember one of my friends, well, he could hop on that thing and flip it and fly as fast as like on a bike. And I thought, I, I can do that. And we were at the park and the park had this hill that went down into the park, had speed bumps. Well, I didn't really know how you break the thing. I mean, break, stop it. It's got wheels, you need to be able to stop it. But I didn't know anything about that. I just knew if my friend could ride it, I could ride it. So I jumped on the skateboard and it started slowly and I mastered that. But the farther along the hill we went, the more momentum it picked up and it was going great. Now at this point, stop. Here we are, we've begun a good work. It's rolling right along, we're on top of it. Everything's great until the thing really picks up speed. And that's where a lot of times in service to God or whatever, we kind of get scared. It's like, oh no, this is getting too big for me. Well, as regards the skateboard, it came to one of those first speed bumps. And even though I didn't have brakes on it, I still stopped because I went to the ditch and it went flying on down the hill some direction. That's kind of how it is with us sometimes when we begin something that man, we're passionate about, but it's like we pray over it. We want God to bless it. We believe that God has put this in our lives. We're so excited. And then it's like the thing becomes so big that we're afraid that we can't handle it anymore. Here's what I want us to understand. If God has asserted himself to the degree that he's given us the capability and the means by which to do a thing, you know what? We ought to do it. We absolutely not only ought to kick the thing off and get it going and maintain its momentum, but we need to, as best we can, see it to the very end. That doesn't mean I can't bring other people in that might help me in this, but look, this is, this is the thing that I have been called to do. Now, what's great about the things of God and his equipping us with abilities and seeing a thing to the end is this. Very different from what you'll find in the world. In the world, things can flop on their own. You could put all kinds of effort into it and you know, if people aren't attracted to it or whatnot, it'll fail. And how many businesses have gone into bankruptcy and failure and the owner will just pick up a new business and start all over? That just seems to be the way of the world. But what we're talking about tonight isn't a thing of the world. What we're talking about tonight is God equipping us and God calling us in that regard to participate with him in one of his good works. Now, here's the thing. When we are working with God, there is built-in success. If we'll hang in there, we will see it come to a fruitful and profitable conclusion. Because if it's God's work, there isn't anything on earth that can stop it and get in the way of it. The only foreseeable problem is on the other side of the equation. And that's with us. So we have to condition ourselves to look for the opportunities, 
to act on them, and the trust that God's going to do the very thing that he said he was going to do. If you minister, then do it with the ability that God supplies. So kind of using the steps, the three, three areas that I described for you that oftentimes are secular, and I think they're pretty obvious, right? You, you get started with a thing, you keep it going, and then you don't give up. I, I want to use that same application to what we're talking about tonight in terms of God-given ability. So I want to think first about just, just getting started. Okay, would someone read for us, and this is a great text. It's Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. We're going to find out here, as Paul was addressing those Philippians, Paul's addressing them from a prison cell. He's hopeful that they will continue faithfully. He's heard some stories about some who are preaching out of envy and jealousy, and some who are preaching out of genuine love. And just as long as they were preaching the gospel, he was satisfied. But what he wanted to assure them of is that, look, you haven't missed the boat. The fact is that God has already, God has already begun a good work in you. And there's a tremendous lesson in that. Who has that text? Philippians 1, verse 6. I saw a bunch of you flipping to it or else you were looking, brought a magazine or something to read. I don't know. Anybody? Cameron, way back there. I, I can barely see you, Cameron, but thank you for raising your hand. Read it just courageously and so everybody can hear. That he would have a good work in you would perform him to the day of Jesus Christ. Oh, I love that. What translation is that? Okay. He will do what with it? He will perform it. Uh, the New King James, James translation that I use says that he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. To perform it, to complete it. Let me ask you, okay, so God has begun this good work in you. What's he expecting is going to happen? Okay, you're going to do it. You're going to finish it up. You're going to get involved in this thing. He's already... Oh, wow. One of, the things, one of the things preachers have to do, and if you're any kind of speaker on a regular basis, one of the things you have to do is constantly think after you've preached your last sermon or you're taught your last lesson is, what am I going to do next? What's next? What's next? That can happen in, in any number of places where you are constantly before people dictating things or saying things. You, what am I going to say next? What's going to be? Look, problem solved. God's already working a good thing in you. And he is looking to see it completed. I, lo I love the expression of that. But let's back up for a minute. Where does anybody get an idea like that? Look at also, I'll take another volunteer of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Thank you, Billy. Look at that. Go ahead. For we are his workmanship, in Christ Jesus the good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk through them. Okay, so when when you were saved in Jesus Christ, what did God, what God looks at that and what does he see has happened with you? I don't know, like Romans 12, 2, where you've had the change of mind. You've become a living sacrifice. You have changed. And God has done in you as a result of your salvation. He has done a tremendous work in you. And you can look from the very beginning. In fact, Ephesians 1 talks about this, of how, how God had planned this whole scenario of our salvation from before the beginning. Wow! But right here... You've been saved, and look at that workmanship. Man, God prepared that beforehand. But watch this also. Once you were saved in Jesus Christ, you also were saved to do what? Yes, but according to our text, it says that we are to do good works. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what reason? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should 
what? Walk in them. What does it mean to walk in something? You say continue in it or you're going to live in it. This is what you do now. This is your life. Your life as a Christian is about walking in the work. But the question is, always comes back to us. And I would ask you this. Just silently think about it for a minute. You know, are, are you doing that? You know, are you, are you walking in a work now? If I were asked that question and I didn't have a good answer, I would be like, well, I mean, what are you talking about? What would one of these works look like? What would one of the works of God be that is appropriate for one who has become a workmanship of God as a result of his obedience to the gospel? Having his sins washed away, being in Jesus Christ. If I'm in Christ, what kind of work qualifies as a work that God has prepared beforehand that I should walk in? Well, there are some pockets of information in the New Testament scriptures. We're not looking at all of them, but we're going to start to kind of give us a flavor of some of those things that God can absolutely do or make available in us to give us the ability uh, to accomplish. All right, I'm going to give you four texts. So if you don't get the first one, the rest of you be scouring and running around trying to find the others, okay? Nigeria this way. Yes. Because I discovered this on Sundays over there in the annex that I, it had not dawned on me before. Everybody in the annex is wearing a mask, right? And many of you are wearing masks. And I remember this before, but I had forgotten because this is kind of the second wave of it. Just dawned on me Sunday. I would say something that I thought was kind of funny. And I'd look out there and everybody looks like this. And I'm like, okay, thinking in my head, Ken, you got to step up your game. You got to step up your game. And then I start saying really corny stuff. And still I'm getting this. And then, <laughs> maybe just to soothe my own ego, I determined they're smiling. It's just behind the mask. I can't see it. Okay, so maybe that's what's happening. I'm going to assume that's true. So I want us to think about these tapes. We're going to run through them. Uh, someone read them for us. And then we're going to list a few. And then I want, want to get your take on them. Okay, one is uh, an apparent one, I think. Romans 12. Look at verses 3 to 8 because that emphasizes also the aspect of the body and the importance of the body. And then how each member has a responsibility back to the body. Okay, that's one of them. Romans 12, verses 3 to 8. The second one I want you to look at is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. The third one is 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to look at verses 28 to 31. And then the last one is just a short one. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Okay. Who will read for us Romans 12, 3 to 8? I know it's the big one, but anybody will read that for us? Thank you. Okay. Uh, go ahead and read that. Yes, please. Having then what? Having then gifts according to the grace that is given to us. Okay, so how, how is it that I'm equipped? 
I guess is, is what I just want to insert there. Okay, keep reading. Okay, clearly some of those things that are listed there were miraculous things like prophecy. But other things like giving and having mercy, that's not a miraculous aspect. And yet something God has done has contributed to your special ability or acknowledgement of things in your life to the extent that you use that as though it were an ability from God in order to bless what group of people? You're contributing as a member of the body, so you're blessing the you're blessing the Bible, the, the body. So either we're going to glorify God in what we do, or we are going to build up the church. Okay, who had Ephesians 4, 11 and 12? Okay, Anita. Okay, again, a list of things, some of which would apply, some of which would not. But still, the idea that these, these abilities given by God, that which God supplies, were for a special purpose, right? For the edifying, for the building up of the body of Christ. Okay, then um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 20, let's go 28 to verse 31. Okay. The point of that was eventually there's coming a way that is not going to be necessarily supported by the miraculous. Of course, chapter 13 talks about, well, it's, it's love. Okay, but back up from that. Here was a church that had miraculous gifts. But I, I, don't, don't muddy the water with that. The whole point of the gifting or the abilities, even spiritual abilities that people had, was for the benefit of the body. Here were things that were given in order to strengthen and build up that church. We don't have those miraculous abilities today, yet we as a church can be equipped in such a way as to benefit and bless the church that we work with because each of us is a member of the body. We contribute to the health and the good of the all, of all. Okay, the fourth text that I wanted you to look at, and this is just one component, is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're just going to look at verses 3 and 4. Okay, read that please. So just a quick question before we get into this next aspect, because I want to look at some specific categories that were mentioned in these texts. Okay, how do you know how to properly comfort someone as a representative of God doing it? How do you know how to properly comfort somebody? Huh? The golden rule. Okay, that, that's true. Um, you say, well, I could go to counseling classes. I could go to college, get, you know, a degree in counseling, and then I could comfort people. What does this text say best equips you to comfort someone who needs comforting? When you have been comforted by God, God teaches us through His comfort 
how to comfort others. Isn't that not what this text says? And if God's, if God's not the best source of that, then I want to know who is. Because He is the Father of mercies and the... What? God of all comforts. He comforts us in any tribulation. And so when we are comforted by God, we learn how to comfort... We learn to, how to comfort others. God shares His mercy or His love, His care and compassion on us. And as... We're, have you not said, you know, boy, I went through that difficulty, but the Lord was with me. And then you'll quote from Psalm 23. You know, you'll say that you passed through the valley of the shadow of death and you didn't have to fear any evil because what did you know? God was with you. God was there to comfort you. When you've experienced that, then what have you become an expert in? I want to tell you, there is no, there is not quite the same level of comfort that you will receive as is that comfort you receive from somebody who's been through the same thing you've been through. They just have a special understanding of the situation. But notice what I said, something they've been through because they saw it all the way through to the, the conclusion of it, to the other side. Who was there? Well, the greatest comforters of all are the ones who recognize it was God who brought me through the worst of trials. In fact, I mean, look at your songbook. I mean, it's like practic... I don't know. This is not scientific. I'm just going off of my noggin right now. But I'm, gonna, I'm just about going to guarantee over half of the songs that you sing have some component of that. How God has blessed or encouraged or lifted us up in some area of our lives. Trials and difficulties. I must tell Jesus, right? I just randomly picked that song out of the book because I, I like the song. However, what was the message of that? You know, I've got to tell him because I've got these trials I'm going through. But I'm telling him because I've been through trials before. And you know who led me through it? Absolutely. Okay, exactly. Okay, so you in your experience, this is one aspect, but you in the experiences that you've been through become a tremendous comforter to those who are in need of comfort. Okay, one category. Now, I wanted to, I wanted to think with you, looking just through those texts right there, there are at least eight categories of quote-unquote works that are directly connected with God that we use in the function of the church that are neither miraculous nor of special note uh, in terms of, of their application, except that God promised us that He can bring those abilities. And I'm telling you, whether it's through the example of the comforting, my experience of it, and God brought me through that, now He's trained me so that I can be better in it, or whether it is just, some people just have a special innate ability to do things. In this list of, of eight things, I just see a, a lot already cataloged in, in these texts, but that are, but that are necessary for us in the church to build us up to, to make us stronger. One of those things was giving. Okay? That was from Romans chapter 12. So if you're the giver, then he says, well, get about giving. Okay, within the realm of giving, I think about Jesus' expectation of us to see to whatever need came along. Remember Matthew 25, 35 and 36, I was hungry and you fed me as thirsty you give me a drink, and so forth. I had the need. It wasn't me. When you helped someone who was in need, you were, in effect, doing it to me. So I'm judging you on the basis of your heart. Okay, what about benevolence? Is benevolence giving something that brings glory and honor to God? How does it do that? Okay, it shows... Okay, it helps others. Pardon? Okay, they see the way you live. Okay, we talked about stewardship 
at its very heart, all, all these are right answers, of course, but we talked about stewardship at its heart. If you are a steward, which are you? Are you a container or are you a conduit? Are you a container of the things of God or are you a conduit in the sense that you are that through which it flows to some other place? Okay, you're a conduit. You are a steward. Whose things are these, by the way? They're, they are God's things. Now, I, I'm using them, you know, and uh, hey, it's great. And I'm going to tell you, if you get to where you're using stuff a lot, you, you get pretty attached to it. You begin to think about how it's yours. Those, sin, those ideas of ownership come into it. But when we understand that what is in our possession for our use at the time is rather just flowing through us, we become the means of God's operation of sending His blessings into our life and distributing to those who are in need. Um, question, how does God care for people? Say, well, you know, we just pray and we just kind of wait, you know? Well, when God is expecting of these blessings to flow, then He is expecting that his body, right? If Jesus were going to do something for somebody when he lived here, if he was going to do something, tell me, tell me how he would do it. Let's say there's a, there's a guy 10 miles away. I need to go see him. What would Jesus do? Do we have a lot of examples of him sitting on some kind of special throne and maybe putting his fingers to his temples, <clears throat> focusing real hard and working a miracle? Okay, he could do that. Uh, he's healed people over distance, no, no doubt about that. He could do that, but typically Jesus got up, walked on his feet, went to the place, addressed them, taught them a great lesson that that's typically what we major on, right? We want, we want the spiritual application, but don't miss the point that when Jesus went, he cared about that person. He took care of what was the immediate situation, and then he took care of the spiritual situation. There was a temporary situation, and then there's an eternal situation. Okay, well, we talk about Jesus as the head of the church, and we're the church, and we make a big deal about how the church is the body, blah, 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 but please understand this. If we are the body of Christ, okay, picture, and we already saw Romans 12, we definitely are, we're members, one of the other. So if we are the body of Christ, and let's say there's a need over there, what are we going to do? We're going to come gather up here in the building, we're going to put our fingers on our temples, and we're going to pray real hard that that situation resolve itself? Or do we actually, like Jesus would do, use our little legs? And go meet the need. I mean, which is it? And, and hey, I, I get it. I see it on Facebook all the time. And I chip in this way too. Somebody says, pray for me. Well, you know what? I definitely will pray for you. Absolutely. But if there's a need that exists, somebody needs our help. I can pray about that. But here's the thing. Let's say, Lord, help them. Question, Ken. How do I expect that the Lord's going to help them? He's just going to send a miraculous cloud down on top of their house and fix it? That is, that is not the idea. The idea is, I was hungry, and what'd you do? You fed me. I was thirsty, and what'd you do? You gave me. I was a stranger. I was naked. I was in prison. I was sick. I had, representatively, over here an issue. And instead of just saying, oh, you know, be warmed and filled... James chapter 2, instead of that, we met the need. So as the body of Christ, we are His, you've heard this before, we're His hands and His feet, right? We are doing the thing that Jesus would have done because we are the conduit through which the blessings of God are flowing in order to make a difference in the world. And by the way, I am not in favor of just handing out stuff to people. 
I, I want to see people's needs met, but I want us to do it like Jesus did. Yeah, Jesus healed people and he took care of them, but what did he also do? He was concerned about their spiritual condition. And that's what we, that's what we have to do. Now, I'll tell you, I'm just thinking of one thing that, that kind of fits in this category of benevolence. You know, we have a food and clothing distribution over here on the second and the third Thursdays of the month. And that's exactly the, the goal in those activities. Yeah, we want to meet a need. You need food. You need clothes. We've got them. We want to be the conduit through which that flows so that, hey, I got this box of food and I got these clothes over there at the Boonville Church of Christ. Well, the Boonville Church of Christ is also the, starts with a B, ends with a Y, and has an odd in it, the body of Jesus Christ. So who did they get those things from? They got those things from Jesus through the means or the conduit of the body that we are. And if that happens in every place, what kind of reputation does the church get? Here's, here's what I hope doesn't happen. I hope it isn't, oh, that church over there did this for me, as opposed to this other church over here that isn't the church of Christ. Well, they did something for me too. And then this one over here and this one over here. I, I don't want people thinking that way. I want people thinking that Jesus did this through through his body. Just, maybe that's a, a nuancing of the concept, but who is it we're trying to glorify in the church? We're trying to glorify the Lord, not ourselves. It's great if you get, you know, um, recognition in the newspaper. But I hope when they come and interview us, they understand that the thing that drives us to do this is we are the body of Jesus Christ. We are trying to do what Jesus would do in this situation. Okay, so benevolence is a big thing. Well, we're going to stop here. We'll talk about these eight things um, next week. Let's see. We've got, we start with the giving or the benevolence. Then we're going to talk about evangelism, edification, and then the one that we talked about uh, just a moment ago, about comforting or being a, a, a counselor, in those difficult situations that people get in. We're going to talk about being an encourager. We'll talk about teaching and um, being in administration. Did you notice a couple of places that we read a moment ago? Talked about the responsibility of administration. That's overseeing the work that's done. And then the last one would be exhortation, auditory, um, urging or persuading people. But we'll talk about those eight things next week. Does that sound okay? Take your mask off and shake it. No, you can shake your head without taking your mask off. So keep your mask on. Okay. Thank you all so much for being here tonight. We're going to have a prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Our Father, thank you so much for your blessings tonight. And thank you for the blessing that it is to be here and to participate in Bible study together. I pray, Lord, that the things we study will encourage us, uh, give us an idea of those areas that we should be growing in. Uh, help us as individuals, especially as we kind of looked at these texts and we have an idea of those works that you have created for us to do that bring you glory. I, I pray that we'll think about these things and begin to examine ourselves and ask ourselves, how is it? How is it that God has equipped me? How, how can I best bring glory to God through what he's made possible in my life? Some of us have abilities. Some of us have resources. Some of us are just overwhelmed with opportunities. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you help us to identify that. And as we go through these things, to be more convicted more than ever that we've got to be busy about doing your work and uh, being your hands and feet, being your body in this world today. Uh, please bless again those who are sick and in their recovery and keep us safe, Lord, as we travel. If it's your will, you'll give us a new day. I pray that you will, you will knock on the doors of our hearts continually with opportunities. And I pray we'll have the courage to open those doors and to act, to be a conduit through which your blessings flow. 
In Jesus' name, amen.